Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio production. You know, probably that. I gotta plug this thing back in. Uh, McDonald's now has a passable apple fritter. You don't say. Yeah, I do say. Oh. Um. Yeah. I mean, when I say passable, I mean it, it's not like you're gonna get like a really good fresh fritter from like a Beacon Skiff or even like a really high quality the like donutty fritter from like a really good donut shop. But sure. it's the like it's on par with what you would get from any like kind of standard chain donut place, or like a Dunkin' or something like that. But uh, it just surprised me. We were we were in line uh, at the the drive through. Uh, we had ordered food from elsewhere, but the place that we ordered from didn't have uh, beverages online uh, okay. for ordering. They only had food for takeout or like alcohol, uh, but not like soda or tea or anything like that. Uh, and so we we went through the McDonald's drive-in nearby to get a Coke. Uh, Coca-Cola classic Coke. and um, I saw that they had fritters and I ordered one uh, and then it stayed in the bag because we uh, very shortly afterwards uh, did our final walkthrough on the house and then we we ate our food and then we ran a bunch of errands and then just literally like not even 10 minutes before we met to record just got home and I was like oh fuck I still have this fritter and I just like slammed it, and it was so good. Oh, so like slamming like the, fritter sounds good. Just like that, like crispy glaze all over it, and just like the soft, like gluteny donut with the chunks of apple. Mmm, gluten. <laughs> I, you know, I am uh, gluten. I, re- <laughs> I am. I am a gluten. Uh, something I realized um, is that all three founders. Of Night Shift Radio purchased a house this year. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I think like the uh, all the shit that happened this year, all the bad shit that happened this year, it was also a lot of uh, reasonably positive, or at least so far, seemingly positive things uh, that we yeah. did. I mean, uh, we went from, it was, it was just you and me doing this podcast. Uh, yep. And then we, we we launched a second title, and then very shortly after started Night Shift Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kitsy bought their home uh, slash studio, which is in the process of being built out. You bought your home. I am closing this week. By the time this episode airs, I will have closed and moved into uh, my new home, the new corporate headquarters for Night Shift Radio. Right, right. Yep. I started a new job. Right. It's very exciting. And yeah, like... Just lots of lots of crazy shit. What a year. 
What do you remember year, back in, in April when we like make cracking jokes? And we're like, ah, it's gonna be nothing, and like, who knows? Like two weeks from now, blah blah. And then like yep. it just kept getting progressively worse, and we're like, fuck, we gotta not be like ahead on recording anymore. <laughs> It's we were like a month <laughs> right. ahead on recording, and we we're like, ah, and we kept being fine. like, oh, it's probably over by now, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it so wasn't. Like, ah, I'm sure it's fine now, and then it definitely was not. No, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember we uh, we had started production um, on a film called uh, Plan B, and we <laughs> were um, basically we we got the information from Hulu to be like, hey, we're we're shutting down. Uh, because of coronavirus, you know, in your state and the whole spiel. And uh, um, but leave everything as is, leave the equipment as is, don't send anything back. You're going to be back in two weeks. Uh, <laughs> and that was March, like 15th. Mm -hmm, uh, but mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. we didn't actually end up coming back until uh, October. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> uh, it was pretty crazy. But uh, wild times, man. Yeah. 2020 has been a year. They sent us home from work, and they were like, "Ah, oh, you know, it'll probably be just a, a few weeks, maybe a couple months, most. Like, we're we're just gonna we're gonna wait this out, and then, you know, we'll be back, and like it, it, everything will just pick right back up." And and it never did. Yep, and here we are into December, and with that, I say hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, and I am the city of lost coys. Wait, the Caleb <laughs> of lost coys. The Caleb of lost coys. That's what I wanted <laughs> to go with that. So we uh, uh, so we're, we're kicking off the month of December oh, uh, with hold on. Uh, hold on okay okay I refuse to hold on I'm sorry I, un I actually unplugged my headphones oh <laughs> so I could see you like gesturing and knew that you kept talking but like it was very sudden like so we <laughs> <had> nothing <laughs> I'm like god damn it so I'll repeat for Caleb's sake we are kicking off the month of December uh, with this uh, with this French film. Uh, that is uh, surprisingly Christmassy. Um, yeah. In in a little bit. Uh, I mean, only really for one, you know, two scenes. I suppose. A couple, couple of snippets. A uh, couple little snippets, but uh, but yeah, but we've got a oh man, we got a wild uh, a wild month of films ahead because uh, you know we had to do it to you. It's December, so we're, <laughs> we're gonna do it. Um, but yeah, so so uh, we're gonna kick this one off with uh, City of the Lost Children. Oh, hang on, I was still in my uh, my Epic Cam mode. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, Epic, Epic Cam. I was telling, I was showing Caleb, so I can for all you guys watching on YouTube, I can actually swap to to my phone as a camera Whoa, using this crazy. app called Epic Cam. Now but now you guys can see ultra my, selfie oh, mode. Oh, Yep. So you guys can see my my desk where I have my cool light up TARDIS thing that I got for my birthday. I've got a fan. I'm rebuilding my uh, gaming PC, and I got a Cam Link 4K from Elgato. And actually, this app that I'm using is from Elgato as well. Look at that. Um, but uh, uh, it doesn't work. The Cam Link doesn't work with. No. Uh, it doesn't work specifically with my camera, actually. Uh, so. Um, so pretty much what the deal is is that uh, my my camera doesn't have a way to turn off the um, the like focusing square mm. in the in the viewer when it's in movie mode, and so because of that, the the cam link just views it views whatever you view in the camera, and because I can't turn that off, alas, that little square comes off in the video, and then it gets recorded, and it just looks terrible. So so it's gone. Speaking of cameras and how, like, when uh, when everyone started working from home this year, uh, webcams became suddenly scarce, like a lot of things. Uh, yeah. I remember thinking, Webcams, like, <clears throat> toilet paper. Um, I remember thinking that I had, like, probably a dozen just in a drawer in my office at work. I'm like, man, I, like, these are all things I just scavenged that were, like, will probably never get used again. That like I I grabbed from various like conference room setups where like we got like a fancier camera and the, just like the the Logitech one that came with it like just kind of gets discarded. Uh, and I thought about how I could have had like a pretty dope side hustle selling those, uh, <laughs> but I didn't. And then you know and you got this new job and like I have my my podcast set up. I have this camera, but I had set up for work and I was like, man, I should get a new web camera so I'm not looking down at my laptop camera. Just you know, get something and 
I almost spent money on it, but then as we were like starting to, to pack things up and like go through boxes and try to get rid of stuff, I found the one that you gave me like two years ago. Oh yeah. Or like actually it was closer to three, I think, because I was still working at the co-works. So I was still living yeah. in Syracuse, still working at the co-works. And I connected it and I think the qual it might just be the angle. Uh so maybe I'm wrong, but the video quality compared to this one actually looks a little nicer. So uh, once I get all set up in the new place, I'm going to compare them side by side on this, like literally side by side. So same lighting yeah. and angle and everything and see if that's actually true. Uh, see, if it's, but see if it looks good. There you that go. Was a, a fun little discovery. I was like, wait, Michael gave me this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That was my first webcam I got for uh, streaming. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, I got that one, and then I upgraded to the next up Logitech uh, C920, and then now I'm using a, uh, a Canon Rebel T6. Yeah, I think um, this might actually be a 950, because I think that that's the model that would come with the like, Chromebox for meeting setups that you could buy for like, oh, yeah. Google Hangouts, uh, Google yep. Meet. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Don't want to offend Google. I should I'll know do. better. This is literally my job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Um, I did have a related question for you, actually, that probably is best asked not on the podcast, but like now we're just down this rabbit hole. And I mean, we're here. Let's do it. This is Tech uh, Consult. Did you not tell me recently that you had experimented with an app to, I mean, I say this now as you have literally done this, like demonstrated this to me several minutes ago, uh, an app to, to use your phone as a web camera. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to have to check that out, I think, because Ellen has somewhere around here a little, like, uh, phone stand that she used to use to try to, like, record, uh, like, knit demonstrations. And yeah. we were going to get rid of it. I was like, wait, I could set that up with my old Pixel, which probably, honestly, has a better camera than these web cameras and maybe even have, like, an even higher quality stream. So we'll yeah. not on the podcast sometime uh, chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We will definitely chat about that. Uh, but since we're on the podcast, let's go ahead and talk about this movie. Uh, so the movie is called The City of Lost Children, as uh, you have uh, ascertained, I'm sure, I hope. Um, uh, but this movie is uh, directed by uh, Jean Renault, uh, who, uh, if you guys are familiar, if you guys have been around uh, good films before, uh, he was the director of Amelie, uh, Delicatessen. Um, Wait uh, a, a second. very long... yeah. This was yeah, a very long director? engagement. Yeah. He also did Alien Resurrection, which You're also starred shitting me. Uh, Do uh, Dominique Snow and uh, uh, Ron Perlman. Look at that. Look at that. See, I I mean, Amelie was fantastic. I love that. Yep. Oh, you know what? That is, that is, I knew I recognized that name. Wow. Okay. Uh, and have I seen a very long engagement? I love Audrey Tattoo. I love her. She's yeah. a wonderful actor. She she is great. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was Dominic Pinon, not Sinon. Oh, how dare you? Uh, I know. I'm <laughs> I'm a monster. That's true. Uh, but yeah, so th this film stars Ron Perlman, uh, Dominic Pinon, uh, Daniel um, Amelfork, uh, who played Kronk. Uh, what a wild movie, man. I remember watching this movie uh, probably in the late 90s. Uh, it came out in 1995. Um, and I actually remember buying a DVD copy at Media Play. Um, <laughs> Media Play yeah. is fun. It, it could have been Media Play or it could have actually been Borders, uh, fun fact. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I remember buying this movie because I, I forgot who it was, but some celebrity or person that I thought was cool was like, you know, someone asked them, oh, what, what is a, uh, you know, what is a film you really love? And they were like, oh, City of Lost Children. And oh, I was, it was like, probably well, Josh. I want to look this movie up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I, I'm um, pretty sure uh, my brother told me about this movie a long time ago. Yeah. And it's just so good. It's it's fucking weird. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, <laughs> sure. It's, it's a weird fucking movie. I mean, it starts off just creepy and surreal, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's, it's a cool little steampunk film. French surrealistic sci-fi steampunk yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> so so let's get into it. So as we mentioned, uh, this film came out in 1995. This is a French film by um, uh, Jean Renault. Uh, but a uh, fun fact about this, too, is that the um, 
the costume designer is actually Jean-Paul Gaultier. Um, uh, the, who, the singer? Uh, uh, no, Jean-Paul Gaultier <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, he, he was the costume designer that's famous for uh, movies like The Fifth Element. So an interesting uh, full circle for this is that... Um, what is her name? Judith Vite, uh, who plays Miette, uh, is actually in the, the costume and wardrobe department for a very long engagement. Hey, what do you know? Like, what do you know? Yeah, was it almost like 15 years later? 19. 19, oh, 19 years, years later? later? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so well, there you go. Because she, like, she... She didn't really do much acting. There, she had four acting appearances. Uh, this was her second of four, uh, and then did nothing for another seven years. And then, uh, City of Lost Children or uh, Very Long Engagement came out. Wait, no, you not, know, uh, not nineteen years. Um, nine, nine plus five, 14. nine years. Nine years. Yeah, because it was two thousand nine. Was in uh, long ninety five to two thousand four. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Math is very hard. I don't know how it people very, just, oh, man. just do math. <laughs> people could just like do that in their head. It's crazy. Yeah. I, so I'm she sure was what, like 1920 at that point? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I'm not going to do more math. Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, this, this isn't the never should, heard of it math podcast. She was born in 84, so she's almost Oh, Irish. so she's, yeah. So in, in 2004... Uh, she was 30. 30. <laughs> no, 20. 20? 20. Yes. This See? is definitely not the Never Heard of It Math <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but yeah, you know, which is actually kind of surprising. I mean, I guess maybe she just didn't want to do it, but uh, she's very good in this movie, Miette, uh, the, the young girl. I would say yeah. she's... Uh, so when this movie came out, she was 11. Um, so, I mean, she, she does a very good job for an 11 year old. She, she does her, uh, um, uh, she plays her part well, but maybe she just wasn't into acting. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she got into math. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking nerd. Um, I mean, probably more like fashion design given that she, the next thing she did was, was, was costume. costume Yeah. Yeah. Set costumer. There's math in that. Oh yeah. Sizes and everything. I don't know. I just uh, point at things and like that in this size. <laughs> and then I point I point at the thing and then I point at me and I say this size. And then, you know, I don't know. Eventually there's clothes in my drawers. Um, Think about it like back when like getting things custom tailored was more standard. And you'd be like, I want this, but for me. And someone would make that happen. And and they would just be like, all right, here's a thing and a thing and a thing and a chip, 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 zip, 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 zip. Hey, there you go. Give me... Th- th- 46 pence or something. I don't know. I don't know how money works either. 46 pence on the richer. <laughs> Give me. me a shine. Oh, yeah. Um, kiss me. Now, this is left of the dial now. We're just talking about uh, music. Far from so, their best song, but I understand why it was so popular. It's very catchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so so the film starts off. So the films, and this is where we get our Christmas tie-in. So the film starts off with a very surreal dream about a young boy. Uh, I'm talking like a toddler uh, sitting in a crib, and Santa comes down the uh, chimney, and you know he's he's giving him the Christmas presents. But then everything starts getting warpy and weird and more Santas start coming down the chimney and more start coming in and it ends up turning into a nightmare um, as it would with like a million Santa Clauses uh, roaming around this kid's, you know, uh, thing and he's crying and then it cuts to smoking. Some of them are just like playing with various like like wind up toys and baubles. Some of them are just fucking weird. Like hella creepy, weird dude. You're all hella creepy. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, (laughs) you're creeping me out. Um. So (laughs) the uh. So the Santa's all weird, and then you know it it pops open. Uh. You know, like the dream shuts off, and we see that it is uh uh, our actor Daniel Emma Fork, who is uh, Kronk, and uh, Kronk is is obviously a very old man. Um, and he's got this contraption on his brain and he starts screaming and crying. And then we see uh, Dominic Pinon, uh, who 
we we see that he is there is multiple of him, and they start screaming. And then uh, the uh, 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 what's his name, Kronk's wife, comes in and slaps them all out of uh, out of their little stupefy there. And um, our movie begins, and we realize that you know we're learning the story that it's that it's uh, Kronk is trying to get in good dreams. He's trying to get good dreams. Now, from kids, what I couldn't quite uh, grasp here is: is Kronk incapable of dreaming himself, and so like he's created this machine so that he can experience dreams? Is that what's happening? Yeah. So, so shortly after this, um, uh, Irvin, Uncle Irvin, who is a uh, who is basically Krang, he's he's a brain in a box. Can I just? Uh, and I know yeah. I'm derailing this this show a lot today, but can I just point out that like this was like something that seriously like traumatized me and that I was like routinely scared of as a child was this idea of like brains and organs just like uh autonomous autonomously like functioning in like jars and vats and whatnot. So like your krangs and like there was another Ninja Turtles character who like I don't know if you, like, I had the toy where, like, you could see, like, his, his body was clear and it was just, like, all organs and everything. Why anyone thought that was okay to give to children is beyond me. <laughs> do, you, do you ever remember from, uh, I think it was Nickelodeon, Inside Out Boy? Yes. Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah, where, he, where he, he was swinging on the swing set, but then he went up over it and it turned him inside out. And then he was, yeah. like, I don't know, a crime fighter or something. Which <laughs> was really fucking, fucking horrifying. Weird. And then well, there was just slim good just body weird. who just wore oh. like a he wore like a full body like tights that was like his musculature system like painted on. Oh right. Yeah. And his his nemesis was like a hobo who ate trash and had bad teeth. That's me? <laughs> I was the I was in this? What well, I don't remember being in this. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I am, in fact, a, a, a hobo who eats trash with bad teeth. That's, that is that is my that is my gender identity. Um, <laughs> oh my god! So, <laughs> wild. Yeah, man. People people were fucking weird. You know, I but I think of things like that. But then I like. I remember watching all those shows right around the same time. But then I also remember Artie, the strongest man in the world, and just being like, well, yeah, of course. From Adventures of Pete and Pete. You never watched mm -hmm. The Adventures of Pete and Pete? So I didn't have cable. So I have seen uh, and the like few times that I saw it as a kid. I was like, this is a fucking great show. Except I didn't say fuck because I, I would have gotten in trouble. Um, sure, sure. But no, I can't claim to say that like you know, I, I watched it because right. I didn't. Because it didn't. You don't want to watch it and get in trouble uh, retroactively. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah. do want to watch that show. Like, I want to watch the the entire thing. Like, start. It's not finish. streaming anywhere, man. It's Son of really a bitch. fucking annoying. I know. <laughs> it was such a good show. Anyways, uh, back to the the reason why we're actually here. And why are so, we here? Irvin? Why are the brain? Knows? Irvin, the brain. Oh yeah. Fish so. Tank. So the brain in the fish tank tells this story, which kind of sets up the it, it gives us the backstory of these crazy people. So he tells the story of an inventor who was uh, an insanely genius creator, um, but he was so overwhelmed or, or like, it, you know, just entrenched in his work that, you know, he he had nobody. So he decides uh, he's going to make a wife. So he he uh, or no, he he decides that he's going to um invent yeah. uh like make is it is it the inventor's wife yeah, well, i they, thought it was Kronk's wife i mean it was very confusing but the the impression that i got was that it was the, the inventors but yeah like she acts as though she is Kronk's wife yeah it's all very confusing. so we're gonna we're gonna say it like movie. that but we'll get the so you get the general idea so the inventor creates a wife but because uh, for whatever reason, the inventor is is uh, cursed. Um, the wife comes up, and then uh, as they sp uh, dry, uh, describe her in the movie, is that she is uh, only knee high to a grasshopper. She's basically she's very very short and tiny, 
And then um, he decides to, since they didn't have children, he decides to create um, six children. Uh, and so he creates uh, clones. But the problem is the clones all suffer from narcolepsy, which they only ever do like once. Uh, like that is not a thing that happens for the rest of the movie. Like it's just in the beginning of the movie and then they never ever like make reference to it again. And then, uh, and then he also, uh, makes, uh, another person, a brother or something. Um, but the brother ends up not being able to dream. Um, and then also he, he makes another person and that's Irvin who is just a brain in a box, but he constantly suffers from migraines. Very confusing. But anyways, the inventor <laughs> creates everybody and, uh, and then there's that, but we learn that the inventor's gone. Uh, so, so Irvin tells the story like, oh, maybe you should, you know, uh, you know, this is your curse and you need to capture your tears to uh, try to get good dreams because he just suffers from never being able to dream. But when he does try to steal dreams from kids, they always turn into nightmares. And the, hmm. the idea is, is that because he is inherently evil um, and he's Which, a creeper. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, he's like, if you see the poster for this movie, like he's the scary looking bald man with a contraption on his head that appears to be screaming uh, because he is. He does yes, that. He is screaming. He screams that's, throughout the movie. That's actually directly from the movie. Um, now, this is definitely one of those movies that I feel like had this movie been in English, it wouldn't have felt the same. Yeah. I feel like the French at like the the French language of this film like by the way this film is in French. Uh-huh. Uh I feel like uh it adds a completely different like mood and layer to this movie that that really adds to uh not only the surrealness but also like the creep to it. Not that French yeah. is creepy, but in this specific case like it just it adds to it. There there I mean there's definitely a creepiness and a lot of that is in the delivery. Uh, which yeah. is very much accented by the French accent. By the accent, by the accent. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't sure where I was going with that. And I just, I went, I just leaned in all the way. Yeah. And it, and it worked. I'll <laughs> tell you that. But I mean, also like the, the, the film style of this too is also really interesting because there are a lot of very like super close ups, low angles. Um, like it's, you know, everything, everything exists very, very like, in a small bubble. Like even when you get wide shots, they're really not that wide. Um, mm-hmm. like everything is very tight and very close knit feeling. All the street scenes are very close feeling. Yeah. Uh, even when they get dumped into the ocean and, or into the water. And then there's like a scene where they're like rowboating out on the water. It still feels very tight. Like nothing feels vast or open. Everything is very, very tight. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I, like, I had to pause because I didn't really think about that when I was watching it, but like it, that's absolutely true. Everything is very close quarters. Uh, and like you, you see a lot of scenes where like you're in this like fairly large city or like you said, out on the open water and those should be very expansive and you should, you should feel a sense of the space there, but you don't. Yeah, no, I, so one of the scenes that I think about that is is later on, um, the octopus, which is these twins um, that, like, they're basically like Fagin uh, in in Oliver. They're, they're like, head it's, of a little kid's street gang. That's who the octopus is. Yeah, the octopus I is I kept seeing twins. references to an octopus, and I was like, but is there, like, there a kraken in the water? Yeah, like, there's an octopus because they have uh, eight eight limbs um and they're they're siamese twins but so like they go to this place they go to this guy who who like used to run a circus where i guess it was like a freak show and that's you know uh where they came from um but they they show the scene of like the circus but even that is is very cut off and and condensed like the 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 like trailer that he lives in like you only ever see like half of it in the establishing shot it's mm-hmm. still very close on the door like you don't see like the rest of the world behind it um you know at one point uh one who is uh, the main character Ron Perlman ends up going to a bar and the bar is even like super tight knit but everything goes up instead of out um very interesting but also along that line they did this really uh very interesting thing in terms of of color tone is that what they actually did was they they did the makeup for all of the cast members very white so they like 
they like put like a white it's called white face and it sounds bad but it's not but it's it's basically like they made them very pale looking mm-hmm. and then in post shifted the color tone so that it matched flesh tone so as the result everything has like this very sepia or like yellowy you know <sighs> yellowy orange tint to it because and that's what made the characters look like their skin and body look normal but everything else see, has this like weird washed out effect because it's it's you know it's it's trying to correct for uh the proper flesh tone even though they were all uh paled out it's very very interesting uh technique and it gives i mean it, you know b- between the way they're shooting things everything so tight and the color tone it 100% sets the mood for this film and makes it this weird steampunk like surreal like film like everything just feels different in this movie like even just looking at it you feel a certain way and i'm not sure exactly what it was that i was thinking of because i i was familiar with the existence of this film I'd, i'd never actually watched it but knew of it uh and when you suggested it my first thought was like isn't that film like kind of on the heavy side like are we sure we want to cover this on our shit talk podcast um (laughs) and i I still maintain that uh a more qualifying film critic than myself should be opposite you for this Um, (laughs) (laughs) because this is definitely uh this deserves a, a more artistic touch um but yeah, I think a lot of uh, my my thoughts around that have to do, obviously, with the the, you know, the poster being fucking terrifying. Um, yeah. But that like super like rich sepia color tone lends itself to like this feels like it's going to be a really dark film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it uh, having watched that, like, if you had never heard of this film before, uh-huh. and you look at it, uh, that's like a podcast. We should make a podcast about that. The title of the podcast. So, if if you had never heard of this film before and you looked at the trailer for it and you and you read the uh, the description um, and nothing or didn't look at the trailer, I meant you just looked at the poster and then read the description, you would probably be like, "This is like Pan's Labyrinth. Like this is going to be insanely dark. It's going to be creepy. You know, it's going to be almost on the on the verge of of a horror film." Um, but it's really not. Like it no. it actually almost kind of feels like a fairy tale uh, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, this film's uh, streaming on Tubi TV, so uh, definitely check it out. It's also available on Prime Video. Um, now, before we go to a commercial break, I just want to really quick uh, mention, if you guys haven't subscribed yet, I highly recommend it. We got a lot of uh, episodes coming out this month and Wait, a couple of special ones that'll happen uh, not on our normal days. Yeah, what? There's people out there who haven't subscribed yet? I, You know what? I, I believe there are. Um, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. That could be a myth because there's no way that they wouldn't. It's super easy. You just go click. But I mean, if, may, maybe. If you're out there and you haven't subscribed, all I want for Christmas is you to click that subscribe button. <laughs> yeah. Um, super easy to do. And hey, I just want you to subscribe. There it is. Um, (laughs) and you know what? Hey, if you're feeling extra generous, go ahead and leave a rating and review. Super helpful for us. Um, you know, not only do we uh, love accolades, but uh, Apple Podcasts for some reason is like. Oh, tons of people listen to your podcast, yeah, but they're not rating or reviewing, so I don't give a fuck. So if you are so inclined, uh, please drop a rating review. It's super helpful for us. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we would love that on whatever platform if it allows it to do so. Um, but of course, you know, if if you're on a platform, you're like, what? Rating Stitcher? They don't. Stitcher doesn't do rating or reviews. You know what, then? Just fucking tweet it out to your friends. Uh, we would love that, too. Uh, speaking of which, we are on Twitter and Instagram at The Nahoit Podcast. That's The N-H-O-I-T Podcast. Uh, on both Twitter and Instagram, not only will you see uh, clips from past episodes, uh, but you get tidbits of what's coming up and, you know, bonus content here and there. We'll, we'll you know, tweet about our thoughts on certain things and stuff. Um, but, uh, Caleb, wh- wh- are there other websites they could go to maybe? Oh, as a matter of fact, there is. Uh, hmm. if you want to learn more about the never heard of it podcast specifically, you can visit thenehoit.com. That's T-H-E-N-H-O-I-T.com. Uh, where of course every month we have our schedule of upcoming episodes with links to trailers and where you can find these movies streaming if available, which most of the movies for the month of December, uh, will be available streaming. In fact, most of them will be over on our, our friends over at Tubi TV. 
uh, for free. And uh, of course, you know, a, a, a little tidbit about the movie to, to let you decide for yourself if you want to uh, watch uh, and uh, laugh along with us or if you just want to uh, hear our takes and, and skip it. That's totally up to you. And of course, as always, we invite you to uh, to fill out our our contact form on there and let us know, uh, you know, either how you think we're doing or if there's a movie that you want to hear us cover. Uh, as we've said a few times, we've got a, a list running of uh, movies that people have uh, requested, uh, and we're definitely going to get those uh, worked into upcoming months uh, and talk about those. And uh, we'd love to hear what uh, what y'all are watching and think that uh, you think we would enjoy. So uh, check it out. And of course, if you want to learn more about the uh, the rest of what we have going on over at Night Shift Radio, uh, you can check out nightshiftradio.com. And specifically, if you head over to the shows page, uh, you can see that not only do we have five active shows going now, uh, but you can check out uh, as more things launch, which will happen in the coming year. We've got a lot of great stuff in the works that we cannot wait for you to see slash hear. Oh, boy. It's very and exciting. Multi-century good, experiences. It is good shit. Night Shift Radio, <laughs> media, modern media company. Um, all right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will uh, carry on with The City of Lost Children. You're listening to a Night Shift Radio production. Night Shift Radio is a modern media company, bringing you shows that entertain, inform, and most importantly, provide an escape. Never Heard of It dives into the world of bad, obscure, and sometimes just weird movies. Follow along with the crew of Set Condition 1 as they experience the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica, one episode at a time. Each week on Left of the Dial, we explore a new record or revisit an old favorite. We'll bring in guests to talk about their own music and the state of the industry. The Superpod Cast, guys with beers talking about movies with capes. They draw a random comic-inspired movie from Thor's helmet and offer thorough, insightful, and humorous commentary. And once a month, tune into the Storyteller series and get lost in the magic of a good old-fashioned radio drama. Learn more about these fine shows at nightshiftradio.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. Hello and welcome back. Uh, yeah. The before city the of break, lost children. Before yeah. the break, you said that we, that we would carry on with the city of lost children, and that of course made me think of "Carry On, My Wayward Son," uh, and that of course made my brain jump to the next logical thought, which is this movie is about carrying off wayward children. Oh yeah, in, yeah, because they get kidnapped, because and they they carry them off because they've been they've gone wayward. I can't yeah. go any further in that direction because there's a wall. <laughs> there's a wall like, but you know I'm what trying to walk you, off camera but i hit the wall and like i can't get can't, can't go any farther <laughs> you committed to the joke really well though so i Thank i you. do give you uh, uh kudos for that so that was that was great so uh so when we left we we learned a little bit about the crazy people that are uh kidnapping children you know the inventor the the uh the sixlets um the tiny wife and Kronk and the brain in a box. Um so now we're going to learn about our actual main characters. Um so the the first one that we uh meet is um he is only referred to as one. Um and, and that is Ron Perlman, the only American in this film. The, yeah, so the, there's a couple of things worth talking about here. Uh one <laughs> uh is that he, he is actually referred to as one, not mm, uh but yeah. one. Like they refer to him in the, the English, which I think is very interesting. Uh, two, uh, it's very strange to see Ron Perlman speaking French, uh, but he also has very, very minimal dialogue, which I wonder if that was written for this character or if that was written for Ron Perlman because he, like a lot of Americans, may, may not speak much French. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not his dad. I don't know how much French he speaks. <laughs> so he, he actually does not speak French at all. Uh, so yes. they, you know, he has gone on record as saying that, you know, he uh, knew no French going, getting into this movie. Um, why they cast him, I don't know, but maybe that was the point. Um, but uh, he, he knew no French in this movie, but he, he memorized all of his lines you know, uh, delivered them with the proper, uh, somewhat proper inflection. Obviously he has a very thick American accent. Um, but, uh, um, uh, but yeah, so he, he knew no French whatsoever and he was the only, uh, the only, uh, American on this entire, uh, cast, uh, 
um, doing this. And he, you know, he, he, you know, talks back, uh, he, he reflects back on this movie. Um, often, you know, he, he says this was, uh, one, one of his favorite films he ever recorded or ever made. Huh. Um, and there's a couple of scenes. So one, he says like, well, my French was absolutely terrible. He's like, I don't know why I didn't get fired. Um, and two, he says that one of the worst scenes he's ever shot of any film is the scene that we see later on where he ends up kind of getting brainwashed, flea washed. And uh, he ends up physically hurting uh, the young girl, Miet. Um, he ends up almost killing her. And he said that was one of the worst scenes he had ever shot just because he didn't like the idea of like beating up a little kid. Yeah, that was a, a weird scene. Yeah. It, it's also, it's just, it's strange to see Ron Perlman uh, relatively young. I don't know how old he was when he did this, uh, but I've kind of only known him from like middle age and onward where he's more like grizzled and like, you know, he, he kind of... He entered my uh, frame of reference as already like a grizzled and crazy old uncle figure, right? Um, but like, see him like younger and with like red hair. I guess I don't know if that's just the coloration of the the movie or if he no, actually he did had have- red hair. He had red um, hair um, because in the film they say uh, it's a big moron with red hair. Is, yeah, is how do they refer to him? You know, when they're looking for him. And I think uh, in large part, his casting had very much to do with like, he is a very large man uh, from the, yeah. the, the standpoint of like, he he looks like he would be very strong. In fact, we're introduced to him as like the strong man at the carnival where he like, he breaks out of steel chains by just like flexing out of them. And uh, I feel like um, he's believable for that, that concept. Not that anyone actually would be able to do that, but like, if you're going to make a character that that's supposed to be that like that big dumb ox strong man sort of character like he's believable for it but again it's it, like he he feels kind of out of place in this movie i mean but not in a bad he way is. yeah he's, not he's, in a bad way but i think i do think that that's the point like he is supposed to feel out of place like he's supposed to stand out yeah above the yeah. crowd uh-huh. even if Shout it's funny loud. because he's he's taller than almost everyone else and possibly everyone else in the movie. Everyone else in this movie. He might be yeah, the, I mean, the tallest person in the movie. Kronk would be the 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 possible uh uh competition there. Yeah, yeah, he is very tall and lanky. Yeah, so so Ron Perlman, if you guys are unfamiliar, Ron Perlman uh played Hellboy in the original uh two Hellboy films. Um, he's been in, I mean, goodness gracious, he's been in a ton of things. So for those of us that grew up in the eighties, you probably remember him as the beast in the uh, TV series, beauty and the beast. Um, oh shit. Uh, that's right. 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 I yeah. Which that, starred, uh, Linda that. Hamilton. Oh yeah. Oh, I did. Uh, I fucking loved it, man. I used to watch I'm... that all the time with my parents. Ask me um, if I'm surprised. The answer is no. You were not. The answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, crazy series. Um, but yeah, so he, I mean, he was in a ton, he was in tons of things. Um, God, lots of movies where he plays that sort of guy, you know, as you mentioned, he's that grizzled, you know, uh, um, old guy, you know, he was in, um, um, geez, lots of things. I'm trying to find something, uh, that, that people might, uh, recognize him from outside of Beauty and the Beast or Hellboy. I mean, honestly, if you don't recognize him from Beauty and the Beast and Hellboy, then there's no fucking saving you. Um, but he was also in uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau. He was in Highlander uh, as the messenger. Um, he was in... Oh, Blade 2? Come on. Blade 2. Yeah, he was in Blade <laughs> 2. He's in Alien Resurrection, which I actually liked Alien Resurrection. I know a lot of people weren't weren't fans of that, yeah, uh, but that's it. one with Winona Ryder. Uh, Dominic Pinone is, is in that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I, I like that one. That's the one where Ripley comes back, but she is a, uh, uh, replicant. Wait, what do they call them on, uh, in alien, in the alien thing? I thought they just called her a clone. Uh, just a but clone? I, Cause I, I thought I don't she know. came back so and she was, I've uh, seen that. oh, no, no, no. Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder is the replicant. She's the, the, the android. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's Sigourney Ripley. comes back as a clone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's done I mean, a lot he, of voice acting too. He's on a lot of Marvel and DC stuff. Um, he did a lot of Batman things. Um, he was, uh, <laughs> he was Matt in <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he was Clayface? Love Clift. Oh yeah. He was Clayface. Yeah. In, in, uh, okay. in all of the Batman series. Yeah. 
I think dating all the way back to like the 90s Batman series. Batman the like Animated the Series, yeah, 92, 93. Yeah. He was Clayface. That's fucking yep. crazy. I didn't realize that. But, yeah, pretty wow. wild. Yeah. And that's got a hell believe- of a career. Yeah, we we talk sometimes about like super prolific actors. Uh and he's he's up there. He's got a lot of stuff under his belt. Yeah. You know, what's funny, and this is this is like I mean, it's kind of a stretch. It really is, but I, I'm going to do it. So oh, do it. Go for it. Ron Perlman is indirectly responsible for me working in film. Go on. Now, he, he, he wasn't an inspiration. I mean, no offense to Ron Perlman. It has nothing to do with his acting talent. So Ron Perlman, X number of years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, decided that him and his partner and, and a friend of his, you know, a, a business partner, were going to go and start up a film studio uh, somewhere that, you know, wasn't Hollywood and they wanted to do an East Coast film studio. So they chose Syracuse, New York to start okay. up a film studio. So what they did was they invested a bunch of money and built a soundstage. Uh, the soundstage that they built, um, they they uh, lobbied the governor at the time, which I, was pre-Cuomo. Uh, I don't remember who, who who was before Cuomo now because, I, I don't know, my memory has just been erased of anything oh, pre-Cuomo. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they lobbied to get crazy good tax breaks for Central New York, for, for New York and then Central New York, um, which is like 45%, which is amazing. It's one of the best in the country, uh, tax breaks for making a movie uh, in, in the area. And so they lobbied this area, they created, they, they, you know, the, the county spent all this money, you know, uh, in partnership with them to build the soundstage. And then he just kind of went, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. And he left and the soundstage ended up being unused, but the tax break, because it was written into, uh, this like, you know, several year long contract budget ended up staying. And as the result, a bunch of film companies started coming to Syracuse, New York to film movies and eventually, uh, I got involved and I uh, started working in film. So indirectly, Ron Perlman is is uh, the result of me working in film here in Syracuse. Look at New York. that! I bet yeah. it was Pataki. Pataki, yeah, that's probably who it was. Spitzer and what Peterson, I think. Yeah, Spitzer and Peterson had real short tenures because I think they were both uh, pretty scandalous. Uh, I know Spitzer was for sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Pataki was in office for a while. I bet it was him because he was two thousand six was was when he uh, left office. Yeah, so it's probably about right. Uh, but yeah, indirectly. Um, so, anyways, let's 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 talk about this movie. So, so <laughs> we see that um, one is the strong man, and now now while he's doing his strong man thing, and you've got the guy up there who's like, "Oh, take a look at my strong man. He does. He's so strong. You never know what's happening." Now, while this is happening, there's a little network of little kid pickpockets happening in the crowd, mm-hmm. um, and uh, one of them ends up getting caught. And of course, the the announcer guy is like, "Hey, you know what are you doing? He's just a kid. Like, leave him alone." And the the Fagin of the group, uh, you know, I guess well, I guess uh, um, the the octopus is the Fagin, um, but the uh, the Dodger of the group kind of comes up and and stabs the uh, uh, the the announcer guy and is like, "Oh no, something's wrong with this guy." And you know, he falls over dead. One breaks out of his chain. And he's like, "What the fuck's going on?" You know, and everybody runs off and and one goes home and we see that one is uh, in care of a very young child, maybe yes. maybe three or four years old. Um, his, his little who, brother. Who, his little brother, yeah, Donri, um, who he refers to as his, as his little brother. Now, while he's at home, now we've already gotten the idea that like kids are being kidnapped and stuff like that. A group of Cyclops, cy- <laughs> Cyclopean folks they just call them the the the, the cyclopses. cyclops yes yeah, cyclops. cyclopses cyclopi so it's very cyclopean it is very cyclopean they're 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 like a cult of men who have had their eyes removed and one of them replaced with a very unreliable uh night uh, vision uh like yeah it kind of for those of you that are yeah, for those of you that are video game fans, uh, it kind of looks like the screen on a Pip Boy. Um, that's like because it's very like it looks like a like an original Game Boy. It's like that green like you know computery look. It's an Apple IIe. 
Well, I love how like grainy and like staticky they are because it it brings me back to like uh, you know you see night vision a lot now. Night vision is used pretty heavily, uh, especially in like ghost hunting shows and stuff like that. They have like yeah. static night vision yep. cameras and whatnot, uh, and it's a fairly reliable uh, technology at this point. Um, but anytime you saw it back in this time period, it was always very staticky and very grainy and like very hard to make things out and like would cut out, be very unreliable. And I think, uh, in a lot of cases that was used to the director's uh, advantage to like set up suspense and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. but here, uh, it's just, it's really interesting because that's all that these men have to see by. Uh, and you know, that, that does play into it a few times where, you know, they miss things because the, the night vision implant that they have isn't very good. Yeah. And it, it does allow, uh, one and Miette to kind of, uh, you know, uh, sneak around them at, at points, uh, mm -hmm. and the other kids. So, so the Cyclops come, uh, they, they steal, uh, one's little brother, Donri, and, uh, you know, head off. And of course, you know, one chases after them. He bumps into this, this, uh, gang of thieves, this kid thief gang, um, to which he is introduced to Miette. Miette mm -hmm. is, uh, about 11 year old girl, um, who is part of this, uh, gang, um, and, uh, inadvertently ends up stumbling into their scheme to steal a giant safe full of jewels, um, because he is he is insanely strong, and this this safe that is in there takes it takes two hours to crack the safe, mm -hmm. and they're like, well, we can't crack this safe. Like we can't just sit there and crack the safe. We'll get caught. And they're like, well, we need someone big and strong to to carry it. So they say, well, like unless you know someone strong enough to carry it, and then in turn enters here enters one. And uh, he is talked into doing this uh, in lieu of, or, uh, you know, with the guys of like, hey, we'll help you get Donri back if you help us do this thing. Um, and so off they go and they steal this giant safe. I love how he stumbles into that too. Cause like he wanders into this uh, building where a man is, is napping and the, the man has like a basket of like, uh, cured meats and whatnot, sausages yeah. and, and and such, uh, and a dog that is sitting across the room. And the dog is tied up to uh, a rope that is attached to the basket so that when the dog runs to try to get at the food while the man's napping, it lifts the basket up out of his reach. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, is pretty clever. Uh, but then it's, you know, at some point, then the dog runs the opposite direction and the basket then drops onto him and wakes him up and he sees one chases after him. One stumbles into the, the classroom where we see the octopus and uh. the octopus is actually Siamese twins. Um, connected at the hip, uh, that Which, function. I was surprised to learn were actually two uh, different actresses. I, I thought that they had uh, done some some trickery within the cinema uh, to have it be the same woman, but it's uh, Genevieve Brunet and Odile Mallet. Yeah, when they are in fact twins. Uh, yeah, um, they are. They are twins, but um, not. I, I had, they're they're not they're not attached. Uh, conjoined, I believe is, is the word. Um, yep. But yeah, didn't didn't realize until uh, till reading the uh, the internet movie database that they were in fact separate women. What a wonderful place. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, kind of working to their advantage, the the boot that they wore to make it look like that they shared a le a third leg. Um, uh, was uh, uh, was so tough to balance in that they couldn't actually walk in it. So none of the scenes where you see them walking, you never see them from you know full body, you mm. know. But it will show them in that in that boot. So that was mm. that was a pretty clever way. But I mean, again, plays to the advantage of super close shots. You know, everything feeling very tight. You you don't have to worry about you know the logistics of of uh, that. But w a thing that I loved about about them, about the octopus and the twins is that they, uh, the way they would interact with everything is, is, you know, kind of very stereotypical of what you would think of like super connected twins. You're not conjoined, but like connected, like, you know, uh, uh entwined, um, is that like how they would, you know, yeah. they would be doing, one would be doing half of what the other one was doing and, you know, one would eat something and the other would be able to taste it, they you know, and obviously stirring a pot together while like chopping yeah. ingredients. Like it was, the core, uh, like coordination on the choreography was just fucking flawless on that scene oh, where they're great. cooking. And I like, yeah, I was watching that just like spellbound. Like, how are they doing all this so flawlessly? 
Yeah, because their hands are always like crossed in like over yep. top of each other. It's and you know, one ends up working for the other one. Like it was really, really cool scene. Um, you know, and they're talking to each other, you know, they're talking to themselves about, you know, what to do in the plan and stuff like that. And they're like talking at the same time, but sometimes finishing each other's sentences, but sometimes just say it was really, really cool. I thought their their whole character, although terrible, um uh for for like in the story was just fantastic. Just so yes. fucking cool. Like it was just really really cool to see that uh see this these characters all, you know, uh, how, how they played out. And even in the end, uh you know, in the end of the movie we end up uh seeing them with a hurdy-gurdy um and a boat almost splits them in two uh and then they end up uh falling off the dock and catching on fire because of the flea guy. <laughs> the flea guy. The flea guy. Now, there there's a lot so there there's a lot of middle to this movie. Like there's a whole lot they get into about uh Kronk not being able to dream um about one and like how how he ended up where he was he used to be a sailor he has a really great story you know where miet talks to him like what did you used to do before this and he was like well i was i was a sailor um you know and i was uh i um was a whale he was a whaler he would go out and you know kill whales um with the crew but then one day he heard the whales sing and then his harpoon never landed its target because, you know, he was so enamored with the the song of the whales. And so eventually he got fired um, and then he just kind of fell into the work as the strong man uh, because of this. But I think that's such an interesting backstory of, yeah, you know, I heard whales sing and then I didn't want to kill him anymore. I'm a big fan of that story. I was yeah. trying to work in a joke about you know, that being the opposite of hearing some people sing, but like it just seemed unnecessarily rude. Yeah. <laughs> but it's there. But it's there somewhere. You, you've you heard the setup. So you, you, you know, listeners at home, you guys can build your own joke out of it and be like, <laughs> I'll have what she's having. You know, like you, you could, you got it in your head. You, you know what to do. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, so so we learn a lot about uh, about one and we see that, you know, there's there's this very like um Logan-esque uh, you know, I mean this is this is a very old, you know, tale, uh, you know, things like um, you know, in the professional, uh Leon uh and uh Matilda, you know, like the the older guy protecting the young child, because it's not always a girl, but the young child. Um, story and that's where the the you know where one and Miet kind of fall in you know he ends up getting a tattoo that says Miet forever um you know and it's or, or Miet for life I think Por la um, vie. yeah which uh, I learned um uh, my girlfriend speaks uh, French and she said that Miet is is like a little crumb it's like uh but it's like a term you would use to like a like a kid ah you're just a little crumb hmm. yeah hmm. very very interesting, interesting. yeah there's, I, I will say, like, he at, at one point does specifically refer to it as, like, my little sister. Like, I have my little mm -hmm. brother and now my little sister. And so, like, there is that, there's that kind of protective uh, big brother nature. Uh, there's a couple points where the movie does come uncomfortably close to insinuating that uh, there might be the buds of something more there, which I, I, I like, kind of, uh, they, so they, they, I, there is no, there's no outright, uh, like romance between them or like any, anything like, like directly, uh, awkward or, um, I hate even to use the word, but inappropriate. Uh, but there's a little bit of an insinuation there that just maybe just, just a little uncomfortable. It, you know what? I mean, like compared to the professional, which is straight up, like it's very, it's like the, there's, and also if you've seen the, the original version of the professional, there's entire scenes where you're like, what the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck, dude? Natalie Portman's like 10. What the fuck? Um, but it's not as bad in this one. Um, but it's, you know, the, her other thieve friends are kind of like, why are you doing this? Like, why do you give, you know, basically, why do you give a fuck about this big stupid guy? Like, what is the deal? And they're like, oh, do you love him? Do you love him? Is that what's going on? Do you love him? And she's kind of like, fuck off. You know, like she, she makes it seem like maybe that's the case. But later on in the movie, we do understand that it's really, that it's not the case. Like she's, she's very much just like, uh, you know, she makes a statement of like, what's it like to have a little brother? 
you know, because you could tell that it's she's she's an orphan of sorts. So like she she wants to she wants a family and this is a mm-hmm. way for her to get big brother, um uh little brother, you know, little brother type thing. So you 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 it I do see what you mean. Like there is a but, couple of references to it, but it's it does not end that way. And it's and she never even says she never says anything to the effect of like Yes, I love him like that. No, but there is a scene where like she's asking him about like, you know, what are you going to do when you're when you're older? Like, you know, and he's like, I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe take a wife and maybe I'm making this up in my head, but I feel like I remember her asking like, "Oh, what kind of wife?" or something like that. And like, I don't know, they're just the little things. Like, like I said, they're, they're nothing yeah. nothing at all uh untoward here. Uh just just a little uncomfortable. Yeah, just it approaches the line, but it doesn't cross it. Uh, that being said, um, in terms of uh, content warning, there is uh, a very brief scene of uh, nudity um, uh, towards the end. There, There's like this very elaborate, like in real life Rube Goldberg machine where like, yes. oh like my God. things happen, <laughs> bottles get thrown, a bunch of rats go into a whorehouse and then all of, you know, all of the, the women come running out and they, you know, some of them are topless. Some of them are wearing pasties. Um, but it's, that is probably the, the widest scene you will ever see in the whole movie. Cause it's kind of in from above scene of them all running out. Um, and then of course, you know, a guy working on the electric, you know, is like, uh, Whoa. staring and he accidentally <laughs> blows the electrical and very, very cool scene. I will have to say, I love, uh, I love that sort of like, um, sequence of events that that triggers a whole bunch of thing which is uh, triggers the scene we talked about later about the boat crashing in and almost splitting the octopus in two and i feel like that that probably i mean it, that bears uh jean-pierre Jeunet's uh signature because uh, he does a lot of that in like amelie as well and like other i mean amelie that's what the on. whole movie is the, the whole movie you know? is the like the idea of like serendipity of like one spark setting in motion yep. uh, a chain of events and like you know whether that's uh, destiny or happenstance or whatever, um, <laughs> we'll say to the uh, the point of uh, one and Miette being like big brother, big sister, uh, or big brother, little sister, whatever. Uh, there's a scene where like they they find like a, a quiet place to like fall asleep and like you have like burlap sacks or whatever to, to cover up with. Uh, and at one point, one just like takes the blanket and rolls over and like completely removes it from uh, Miette. <laughs> yeah. And I just, just turned down and like, see, this is what you do to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. We just had this conversation. Um, yeah, no, it's a very funny scene too, because like he he like pulls the burlap sack down so that it's covering his feet, and then she yanks it up so that it's covering her, and then he does it again, and then eventually he just rolls over and <laughs> and does that. It's a constant uh, now, fight. If you if you share a bed with anyone, it's a constant fight. It's a constant fight. That's you got to buy big blankets. Even if you um, get the biggest blanket imaginable, somehow the other person will find a way to pull. Somebody it off ends of up you. being a burrito, and then you're done. <laughs> um, so we we do actually uh, meet the original creator, yeah. uh, who is actually played by Dominic Pinon. Uh, he is he is traveling around in a submarine. Um, who who he has lost his memory, and he's traveling around in a submarine and inadvertently saves. Um, yet after they're about to be killed, um, he's fucking tossed overboard and he's a nutter and I love it. Um, and of course he, he, uh, comes in later and, you know, saves the day. Now there's a lot to this movie. It's, I I don't really want to go through it as much as we normally would, because I feel like there's so much of it that is just experience and less Mm -hmm. of situation that we can just explain. Um, so that being said, City of the Lost Children is available streaming on Prime Video or Tubi TV. Should you watch this movie? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if you have watched Amelie and not this, I think you would absolutely love it. If you love surreal, steampunk-style film, you should absolutely watch it. I think this is like a film standard, in my opinion. And that said, like this is not a casual watch. Uh, You don't put this one on and like play Pokemon on your phone or like, you know, do homework or whatever and get any enjoyment out of it whatsoever. Uh, I guess if you speak fluid uh, French and you can multitask, you're going to get some of the point. Uh, but honestly, like you're, you're better off like sitting, watching, 
reading the subtitles, immersing yourself in the the visual effects and whatnot. There's there's a lot going on, uh, and this is also a movie that I think probably deserves or warrants uh, multiple watch throughs to like really understand. Uh, I kind of made the the joke aside earlier where I feel like uh, this is a movie that that bears more like art minded critic criticism than what we normally give uh, to a movie. Uh, but it is it's a very well done film, uh, and. I mean, there's a there's a reason that it's as acclaimed as it is, uh, and and I think you know you kind of touched on this earlier. Like French cinema in general does kind of tend to have uh, this like this depth to it, uh, and this genre and this director in particular, like the surrealism that they they put in. Uh, yeah, uh, should you watch it? Yes. Should you pay attention? Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, so that being said, so my girlfriend speaks fluent French and she, she had already seen this movie and she sat beside me and she was doing uh, some of her work um, while watching it. And there was even a few scenes where she had to like set down her computer and like pay attention again. She was like, Ooh, I really want to pay attention to this scene. So even someone who is fluent in French mm-hmm. and, you know, is able to multitask was like, no, hang on. I, I really want to like watch this and like, and like feel it. Um, mm. So yes, I, I completely agree with you. Like this is definitely a movie you, you 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 watch like you feel this movie well again yeah, like so much of the emotion and the tone of the film is in the visuals more so 100%. than in the, the the dialogue or in like the soundtrack or anything like that which like all of that plays its part like very much but so much of it you really have to experience in full uh so uh yes give this movie your full attention in order to truly appreciate it oh totally um, yeah, so so as we mentioned, this movie is streaming on Tubi TV. Uh, definitely check it out. Um, and until then, so we uh, so that's it. So we're done with the very first episode of December. Um, not unintentional uh, Christmas for the beginning of this one. The next it's one awful. is not. The next one is uh, is called The Visitor. Uh, this one looks pretty wild, so I'm excited to check this one out. But we got we got a crazy one. So again, you know, we we're gonna throw some specials at you this month. So if you have not subscribed yet, please go ahead and do so because you'll get notified when new episodes drop and when our trailers drop, which is on Thursdays. Oh, yeah. um, and then you'll get notified when we have a super special one uh, coming up. Um, we didn't even touch on the uh, the other scene with the Santa Claus. Uh, where there was just a, a shit ton of crying children and I literally had to mute the, the TV for like five was, minutes until it stopped. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, so so that being said, uh, you know, definitely check out this film if you haven't already. And uh, thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. Yay. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.